Boy, what a beautiful day, huh? This is the day we've been waiting for. Man, it's a little breezy. I was outside saying hi to people. My hair got all messed up. I think I'm better now. Tonight at 6 o'clock, we're going to celebrate the baptism of 12 believers. All right? That's a big celebration. That's a big... There's not going to be any message to listen to. It's going to be worship, celebration of baptism, worship. Yeah! Why should I come, you say, if I don't know some of the people who are being baptized? Number one, because they are your brothers and sisters in Christ. They belong to you and you belong to them. Also, because there will be more power when there is more praise. Are we learning that lesson here or what? The more we praise, the more there is a release of the power of God among us. So that's tonight at 6. Tuesday night at 8. Tuesday night at 8. Man, something's going to happen in our prayer meeting Tuesday night at 8. I had a very interesting encounter with the enemy last Tuesday night that actually, for the first time in 35 years of ministry, prevented me from going to a thing that I was scheduled to be at. It was intense. And Jesus won the victory. But listen, listen. I'll try to explain the parts of it that I can to you on Tuesday night. I can't tell you all the details, but I'll explain the parts that I can on Tuesday night to you. But I just want to say this. This Tuesday night will be payback. And so here's what I want. We will continue in the school of praise. I will bring a short teaching regarding praise. But I also want us to have opportunity to pray for the most difficult cases possible. If you are a person here or who knows someone who has some kind of critical diagnosis, perhaps a physical diagnosis of cancer, or some you've been told something about your body that it's breaking, and you don't have long, whatever. If you're facing some kind of chronic disease that won't go away, if you're facing an addiction from which you cannot get free, I mean you cannot, you have tried, and you keep cycling back to it, I want you to come Tuesday night. Because it's payback. It's payback. And now here's what I also need. In addition to you guys to come to be prayed for, I need many of you to come, and I need you to fast. I need you to fast. How long? From now till Tuesday? I don't know. You ask the Lord, he'll tell you. It's not about being religious. It's about fasting and obedience to the Lord and putting your ear to the, to the, to the tracks, if you will, just putting your ear down to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm, I want to be ready for Tuesday night for whatever you want from me. Whatever it is you want from me, I want to be ready. And so I, I need two kinds of people here. I need those who are ready to be prayed for and see the power of God move in their lives. And I need those of you who are willing to pay the price to get ready with me to, to fight that battle Tuesday night. Eight o'clock. All right? 
should be pretty clear. So today is Palm Sunday. One of the things I like about, so much about Palm Sunday, is any time the church, I mean capital C Church, is doing much the same thing around the world, there's more power. There's more power. Regardless of what else happens the rest of the year in any given fellowship or denomination or movement, when the church comes together in agreement around the same, same passages, the same praise, the same faith, powerful things happen, and the enemy's pushed back. So I like Palm Sunday for that reason. And the passage that I want to share, with, share from this morning, share with you, is Luke chapter 19. We'll start in verse 28. I want to read all the way through 48. Luke chapter 19 And this is the passage about Jesus making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which started the week, uh, they call it the Passion Week, the week where he gave the Last Supper, the week where he washed the feet of his disciples, the week where he gave his life on the cross for us, and the week where next Sunday he rose victoriously from the grave. Don't don't miss that. (laughs) But this is the beginning of that, and that's why it's such a celebration. Beginning of verse 28, after Jesus said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell them the Lord needs it. And those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, put Jesus on it. And he went along, and as he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. And in some of the other passages, it says that they cut the palm branches from the trees and spread them ahead of him. That's why we call this Palm Sunday, for those of you guys who are new. All right? When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise to what? To what? To joyfully to what? To praise God in loud voices. Two of you. Seriously. Let's try that again. To praise God in loud voices. For all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. He said, you can't stop this. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Then he entered the temple area and began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house 
will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find a way to do it, because the people hung on his words. So Lord, we come to your passage, we come to this day, we come to your feet, Lord, and freely admit that not a single person in this room needs to hear a word that I have to say. We need your words, we need your life, we need your breath to breathe on us. And so come, Lord. Come. We pray that you'll come and you'll ride into this place. You'll make your strategic entry into this place for your ultimate victory over Satan on the cross. And we invite you to come and do that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are two pictures up on the screen behind me. They are both final approaches to something of aerial shots. The one on your left is a picture of Bolton Field not far from here. You're looking at runway 4. You have runway 4 and runway 22. Two, two. You have two runways there, but you said, but there's only one runway there. Well, it depends on which direction you're coming from. Maybe you didn't know that. And uh, you're looking at runway 4 there, and it's kind of a serene sight, isn't it? Isn't it pleasant? Just to be thinking about up there in a little Cessna 172, just putting along, looking down. If you look out the right side, you'll see the church. you see us. Yep. It's nice, isn't it? The one on the, on the right is a picture of an F-16 about to make a strike on a munition silo. Two very different approaches, aren't they? One on the left reminds me of an anniversary that Karen and I celebrated a few years ago. And uh, it, was one, it was an anniversary, and so I think it was a big one, like 30 or something. I don't know. <laughs> it seemed to have more significance than the card and the candy. And so we said to one another, we said, what do you want to do on our anniversary? And I forget which one of us came up with the idea, but it was, well, why don't we split the day in half and each of us do what the other one wants to do. I said, well, that sounds all right. She said, what do you want to do? I said, well, you know what I want to do. I want to go over to Bolton, and I want to rent the most expensive plane I can afford, and I want us to fly up somewhere, have breakfast somewhere, lunch somewhere, and fly back. That was great. So the 172, the newest one in the fleet over there, leather seats, Fuel injection, avionics that I didn't even understand. <laughs> Off we go. Fly up to Bluffton. Why'd you go to Bluffton? That doesn't seem very exciting. Well, there's a, there's a restaurant real near the runway there. So I knew I wouldn't have to rent a car, right? So I chose Bluffton. We flew up there, and it was nice, and... I missed my approach and had to go around, and it was a little embarrassing, you know, and a couple things like that, and, you know, you got to understand that Karen feels about flying with me about the same way she feels about riding on the back of my motorcycle, you know. She'll do it, but she doesn't wake up and go, can we do that today? 
And so we went in, we had our breakfast and hung out and had a nice time and looked longingly into one another's eyes. I don't know, I'm just that kind of guy. Got back in the plane and fired her up and flew back to Bolton. That was the morning. What do you want to do this afternoon, hon? Well, I've made appointments at this snooty salon up in New Albany. We're, we're going to go up and get pedicures. <laughs> we're going to go get our feet done. Now, you got to understand that Karen, she's not a salon kind of gal, so this was kind of a big surprise to me. But I went. I went, I took off my shoes and socks, and I said, help yourself. <laughs> well, they got the belt sander out and a couple other things, you know, did their thing, and went away with happy feet. I tell you guys that because I want you to know that not only am I man enough to fly an airplane in the morning, but I'm man enough to get a pedicure with my best girl in the afternoon. All right? Deal with that, Jack. All right? <laughs> so why am I manning up on you this morning, guys? Because I want to do anything I have to to bring to your mind the mindset of Jesus Christ when he rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. Anything I have to. Palm Sunday is about God launching a strategic strike on Satan. You have a couple of choices this morning. You have the pasty white version of Palm Sunday, the Norwegian Jesus, skinny blue-eyed Jesus, riding in, things out of his control, in he comes, you got to do it. I guess, yeah, I'll just ride in on this little donkey. Or you have the truth. You have the Jesus who rode into Jerusalem. And one of the very first things he did, the Gospel of John says that he fashioned a whip, premeditated. He fashioned a whip out of cords. And he beat the money changers out of the temple and said, I'm here to take my father's house back. what Palm Sunday is about. The Jesus that I read about in the Gospel of Luke was never helpless. He was never out of control. Things were not happening to him. The Jesus that I just read about to you in Luke chapter 19 was launching the most violent attack in the history of the universe. And he was doing it for our sake. The passage of our, of our scripture today, I want you to notice 
the strategic elements, the military nature of what Jesus was doing. First of all, in verse 30, it says that Jesus sent the disciples on ahead of him. He said, I want you to go on ahead. Jesus sent the disciples on ahead. Go ahead. That's what militaries do. They don't show up without intelligence. They don't just show up to see what happens. They have boots on the ground. They have people there understanding the situation, looking for the weak points. Moses sent spies into Canaan, did he not? He said, I want you to go over and see what's going on. See what we have to do to be faithful to God. This is a military move. And Jesus sent these two disciples on ahead and said, and when you go, here's what you're going to find. And when they went, that's what they found. And when you go, someone may ask you, why are you taking that? You say with authority because the Lord needs it. And mysteriously, these guys said, okay. There's power in the spoken word of God. Just speak what he says. Don't elaborate on it. They didn't go into some big, long thing about who Jesus is and what we're going to do. We'll have it back by three. Nothing. He said, the Lord needs it. They spoke exactly the word that was planted in them, and off they went. Jesus made, he sent the disciples ahead of them. Jesus also made a strategic entrance. In verse 35, it says that they took this colt, this foal of a donkey, this thing that maybe Jesus' feet would almost touch the ground. And he made a very strategic entrance. This is the Trojan horse in reverse. This is the Trojan horse in reverse. This is the little, the little, the little donkey with the power on the outside. The Trojan horse was the big empty with the power on the inside. Jesus came in with the power on the outside. And it was the Trojan horse in reverse. And Jesus came into Jerusalem to conquer Satan on the cross. And Jesus was making a precision strike with zero collateral damage. Did you get this? Jesus made a precision strike with zero collateral damage. You know, when the Allied forces attacked Baghdad, just dropped bombs. There was intelligence about where bad guys were, where strongholds were, and of course, to the best of the ability... Collateral damage was avoided, but women and children died because bombs were dropped. Women and children died because they happened to be born in that part of the world in that time in history. When Jesus made, that's the, that's the way of war. That's the way of war. People die. Not just the bad guys. People die. But Jesus made a precision strike on Satan on the cross with zero collateral damage. He made a strategic entrance. When he got there, he took on the Pharisees. He he took on the enemies. Verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why? Because they were joyfully praising God in a loud voice. Stop this! I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. 
He said, you can't stop this. You can't stop this. Something is happening that was ordained from the beginning of time, and you can't stop this. This morning I was out walking the wall early. This is my custom on Sunday mornings and many other days of the week, but in particular on Sunday mornings I go out there and just try to listen. You know, I pray, I study, I prepare to be with you in this time each week. And, uh, but it's, the point isn't ever on the spear until Sunday morning. And so I go out there and say, Lord, what is it this morning? And I just kept hearing this, you can't stop this, you can't stop this, you can't stop this. And I got up on the, on the west side, along the edge, of, along the path, and I heard this chirping. And I thought, well, there's birds, but there were no birds. Let's start there in the ground. I go over. I'm expecting to see a mouse or something in there, and I'm uh, I'm hear the chip, chip, chip. and then I hear it over here. Chip, 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 chip. And as I walked along for about fifty feet there, wherever I walked, and then what came inside it? I got I googled. Do moles chirp? (laughs) Turns out they do. Turns out they do. I got to get a real job someday. I just got to get a real job. So I heard, yeah. Turns out they do. They chirp. My conclusion as I walk, as I moved grass, there was nothing to be seen. They were all underground. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Chirping. Chirping. Here's the word. You either get on board and start praising God, or God will listen to the moles. They, he will hear their praise. That is our choice. We praise God, or we give it over to creation. We give it over to nature. God will not go unpraised. never heard it before may never hear it again you can't stop this jesus proclaimed the truth over the lies in verse 42 if you even you had only known on what day on this day what would bring you peace but you don't know he's speaking to the jews he's speaking to jerusalem he was speaking to the people who had for centuries awaited the coming of the messiah And now that the Messiah was with them, they rejected him. He goes, if you would only have known, what would bring you peace? You think that what you need is a conquering king, some kind of a king who will come and and to be your governor, be the one who will rule over this land and possibly even drive out the Romans. That's what you think would bring you peace, but you don't know. And he declared the truth. This was his weapon. The truth is the weapon of God. And then Jesus drove out the thieves with a whip. He drove them out. He took them on. Are you catching the nature of Palm Sunday now? This 
ride into Jerusalem? Are you, are you beginning to catch the violence of it? That Jesus is launching a strategic strike on Satan that he will accomplish on Friday on the cross and complete on Sunday in the resurrection? Jesus is, is launching a strategic strike. And you know, you might be wondering, well, why does any of this really matter anyway? Why does it matter? I want to give you a few reasons. Do you want the truth or a lie? Well, the truth is, is that Jesus Christ came to conquer Satan. The book of Romans, part of the great criticism of the Roman people was that they had exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And I fear that in the Western church, we have made church so much about our comfort, so much about our own edification, so much about our satisfaction, that we have failed to realize we are part of a war. We are part of a military campaign to complete the work of Jesus Christ in the world today. That's the truth. And so to see Jesus, the white pasty, blue-eyed Jesus who never could have come from the Middle East is passively being led into Jerusalem. is such a lie. That Jesus never was. I think it's important because I think we have to ask the question, do we want weakness or do we want power? Do we want weakness or do we want power? Well, if we want power... We need to follow the power of Jesus and see at every point in his ministry that he was releasing power, not weakness. Now, was he releasing meekness? Of course he was. That was part of his disguise. Philippians 2 says that he laid down his right to be God. He laid all that aside and he hid in humility and meekness. It was part of the strategy. But there was power in there all the time. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says that the Son of Man came to destroy the works of the enemy. Destroy them. Does that sound weak or powerful? Destroy them. I think it's important because it asks the question, do you want to play offense or defense? Do you want to spend the rest of your life reacting to what the enemy's setting up in your life? And going, I'll deal with it the best I can. I'll deal with it the best I can. Or do you want to lay it down, pick up your sword, and begin making trouble for the enemy? When I asked you this a few weeks ago, many of you said, I'm ready to go on offense. I'm tired of playing defense. Is that still the case? There's a price we're paying along the way. Is it still the case? Is it still the case? Well, it's still the case for me. I pray it's still the case for you. But I think another reason that this is important is because it continues to ask this question, do we want religion or do we want relationship? You know, in order for Christianity to be a good religion, Jesus has to be the pasty white Norwegian. That's what makes it a good religion, because he's really no trouble that way, is he? He's manageable. And we can present him with a little puppet show. This is Jesus. But what religion can't handle is this rebellious, 
powerful Savior who came to conquer Satan and set you free. Because if you become set free, you're no good for religion. Does that make sense? When Christ sets you free, you're no good for religion anymore. You can't participate religiously. You can't follow the rules. You hate them. You can't wear that saddle anymore, can you? When Jesus takes it off and sets you free, the Bible says if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And Jesus did not ride into Jerusalem to give the world still another useless religion. Jesus rode into Jerusalem so that we can have life in relationship with Him. That's what this passage is about this morning. Any questions? There's one lingering question, and that is, do you want to be a worshiper, or do you want to be a Pharisee? The throng of worshipers, these people who said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These worshipers who were worshiping with a loud voice, in spite of the threat that was over them, the threat of the Pharisees, they worshiped with a loud voice. In spite of the criticisms of others, they worshiped with a loud voice. And when you decide that you're going to be a part of the throng of worshipers, it means that you're also signing up to join his force. Because Jesus Christ did not just give his life on the cross to do something for us, but he gave his life on the cross to do something to us. And that's to change us and to equip us as warriors, not to make you a spiritual pacifist. It means you surrender to his command. And when Jesus says go, you go. When Jesus says sit, you sit. When Jesus says speak, you speak. And when Jesus says be silent, you're silent. It means you have access to his weaponry. Military, you have access to the weaponry of the military. And Jesus gives us this access. And isn't it interesting, beloved, listen, isn't it interesting that in coming in, Jesus once again makes use of his primary weapon, and that is the praises of the people. How did Jesus launch the attack? By the praises of the people, by the loud praises of the people. In the praises of those people, the power of God was released over Jerusalem. I guess you could be a Pharisee if you want to, because some of this stuff is scary, isn't it? It's probably easier to be a Pharisee. It's easier to be religious than it is to be at war. But I think you know what's in your heart to do. So I guess I just want you to know that you can't stop this. Nobody can stop what God set in motion on Palm Sunday. But why would we want to, right? (laughs) So you've got to ask yourself the question, which side of the battle you're on. Because we're either... Worshippers or we're Pharisees. We're either worshippers or we're Pharisees. Because it's in our heart to know God. And we're either going to have a relationship with Him or we're going to settle for religion. And we're going to defend the religion. And we're going to be offended or insulted by freedom. But we are in a season of offense, beloved. And some of you will be healed as a result. You'll be physically, miraculously, supernaturally, powerfully healed as a result. Some of you will be saved as a result. 
Some of you have been listening to this, thinking about making a commitment to Christ, coming into a relationship with Christ, surrendering your life. All those, all those dynamics of coming to know Jesus. Some of you, you can't stop this. Jesus doesn't give up, does he? Run, you can run, but you can't hide, right? He's coming. He's going to get you. He's going to save you. Some of you will be set free from habitual sin and addictions as a result of the season of offense that we're in. Some of you will be set free from demonic oppression. Jesus gave us authority over the demons. I want you to think about this as we close this morning. I want you to think about what precision strike you would invite Jesus to make in your life. If he went and conquered Satan in this precision strike, he can come and make a surgical strike in your life. He can pinpoint. He can pinpoint the stronghold of the enemy in your life, yeah? I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that, and I want you to expose that to Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. I want you to expose it to Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you'll come now and that you will, in your power and your authority, you will come, and as you have released your power into this room by the praises of your people, I pray that you will use that power to come and set the prisoners free. I pray that you will heal the sick in the name of Jesus. I pray that every cancer, every cancer in this room right now will be cursed and driven out by the name of Jesus. Pray this. I pray this. In the name of Jesus. I pray this in the name of Jesus. We believe for this in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, I pray that every person who does not yet know you as Savior, I pray that your power of your Holy Spirit would overcome them right now and that you would draw them into surrendered fellowship with you now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We speak that over them. Father, we love them. And I pray that you will draw them in to that dynamic relationship with you. I pray, Father, that the sleepers will awake in the name of Jesus. I pray that those who have been successfully lulled into a spiritual sleep would be woken up by a sudden awareness of your power and the importance of who you are in their life and in this world. Power of God come. I pray, Father God, for those marriages that are suffering by the hand of Satan, I bind him in the name of Jesus and say, shut your mouth in that marriage in the name of Jesus. Let the fire return to that marriage in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I pray for those who are caught in addictive cycles of behavior, God, whose chemicals, chemicals have captured them or whose the power of some lust has captured them in the name of Jesus. I break it in the name of Jesus. I break it. Surgical strike on that in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that those who are beset and oppressed by demons, Lord, would be set free in the name of Jesus. I speak to any demon in this room and I say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. In Jesus' name we rebuke you. Father, come now. Father, come, I pray that You'll complete the work that you started when you got up on the foal of that donkey. I pray that you complete the work that you had in mind, Lord, when you got up on the foal of that donkey. Mm -hmm. Come in your thundering power 
your precision strike into our lives. We pray in the name of Jesus. Let's have some prayer ministry people. Come on up. Come on up over to the sides. Prayer ministry people, come on. God's going to use you to finish the prayer that I just started. Some of you are stirred by what just happened. I want to encourage you to come up to these people. Come up and just let them be used by God to finish what was just started. Let's stand together, church.